there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. This morning, I'd like to talk to you about obedience. What I'd like you to do right now is sincerely look at life. Look at life right now as it is. Do you think it leads anywhere? So what's the answer? Does it lead anywhere? So it leads somewhere? So life leads to death. And that's what life is for you. My thought is that it leads in a circle. Okay. Then my question is, if that's true, why is it that you want so much? <laughs> yeah. You see, what, what we do is we lie about everything. I ask you a question. You don't answer the truth. You lie. You say, okay, what does he want to hear? What am I supposed to say? What's the right answer? And then you give that as if... It was what you really believed and how you were really living. So I said in the beginning, sincerely look, but you didn't do that. You looked through pretension. You looked through false personality. And this is how we view life. And if you can see that, see, I can tell by the looks on your faces that you don't like that. See, it's like you feel like you're bad. You feel like you did something wrong. You feel like it's hopeless now. And none of that is true, but that's how you feel. Maurice Nicole said, to work is to obey. To obey is to will. To act from the work is to remember oneself. To remember oneself is to begin to make something new. But you can't make something new if you keep on doing what you've always done. If you keep on doing the old. If you keep on pretending. When someone says, okay, sincerely look at life now. And then you don't sincerely look at life. You don't sincerely do anything. You think, okay, what's the right answer? How do I look good? How should I, how, how can I elevate myself here? Can you see that? Will it and do it, and the work will produce something different from your mechanical psychology. This that we're talking about right now, this whole episode, when I ask you a question and then you come up with this answer. This is your mechanical psychology. This is what you mechanically, automatically, how you respond in life. Somebody says something to you and it falls on this mechanical psychology that just starts to act. It's like winding up a little toy soldier and it just starts to act. It's like something flicked the switch. I asked a question that flicked the switch. And you start doing all the things that you always do. And the key is sincerely. When you hear the word sincerely, the work uses sincerity and genuine a lot. It's like a cue. It's a key for you to pay attention. It should be something that, that helps you to wake up and start to think work ideas. Not, well, how can I look good? How can I get the right answer? How can I appear to be something that I'm not? How can I make myself look like I want to be or like I feel that I am or like, uh, like this picture that I have of myself? People don't see that they have to obey and will the work in daily life. See, we don't see that in life we have to will and obey this work. Not just here, 
not just in a group, in life. What does that mean in life? It means in everything in life, and especially in the things where it's a big challenge for you in life. It's easy to do the work when nothing is resisting you. When there's no second force, well, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's like sliding down a greased banister. But let something come up in your life that challenges you, that offends you, that questions you, and then you will see what you really are in the work. Look at how you behave and you'll see what you really are in the work, how far you've really come. Your face is like, oh, this is horrible. I'm a terrible person. But I haven't said any of that. People hear this work and then they behave as if they've never heard what it teaches. And recently I've been thinking about this. I, I hear some of the things that people say, some of the questions people ask, some of the things people say, and I think, where have you been the last five or six years? And I realize that People are not really hearing what this work teaches. And that's okay, that's a good thing. Because when you don't hear what something teaches, you need to know that. Because if you can know that, you can do something about that. If you can't know that, if you can't see that, if you keep on wandering in the dark, imagining that you're in, in broad daylight, then you have no hope, there's no chance. Hear, understand, will, and obey this work. And then the work will do the rest for you. The problem with this work is that you have, it's, it's just the same problem with Christianity or Buddhism or Judaism or being a Muslim. It's the same problem with any religion. You've got to live it. You can't just read about it. You can't just talk about it. You can't just pretend that you're doing it. I mean, it's, it's not that you can't do that. Obviously, you can. There are, the, the history, history's pages are splattered with Pharisees in every walk of life. People who say one thing and do another. And we are those people. Simply what that means is to observe personality in yourself through self-observation. Unfortunately, we don't. And the looks on your faces are proof that we don't observe ourselves, our personality, through self-observation. What we do instead is we observe our personality with our personality one part of the personality observes another part of the personality, gets identified, gets sad, gets morose, gets hopeless, goes into despair, your face drags on the floor. You know, I'm, it, you should all have little beards, at least these little chin things. You're going to cushion your chin while you're dragging it on the floor so you don't get it all scuffed up. Either that or hold your head up and be thankful and be grateful for this work. But no, we don't do that. Why? There's a reason. The interchanges that are possible to us will not happen until personality is made passive. And personality is not made passive when it gets to observe the rest of personality and then pass judgments on it. Your unhappiness is because you're passing judgments. You're passing judgments on yourself. You're looking at yourself and then you're judging what you're looking at. Oh, I got the answer wrong. I'm a bad person. Oh, after all this time, I should have been further. But the work says don't work for results. So what do we do? We say, okay, I don't work for results. That's what we do with it. The work says, don't express negative emotions. What do we do? We express negative emotions and call them something else. The work says that's justifying ourselves. And we say, no, that's, that's really what it is. And that's justifying ourselves. Everything the work says is true. Why is it that we don't believe that? Personality is in chaos. Now, through imaginary I, personality pretends that it's organized. 
Personality really pretends to be organized because it can get this done or it can get that done in an outer way. It pretends it's organized. But the only reason it can get anything done is because nothing stopped it or it got something done through violence. The truth about personality is it's a mass of contradictory eyes taking charge of you one after another. Contradicting eyes. So it, it wouldn't be so bad if they were all in the same army. But they're from different walks of life, different political parties, different religions, different everything. And one is in charge, and he's passing all the laws for everybody else. And then the next one's in charge, and he's passing all the laws for everyone else. And the next one's in charge. And this is happening many times a minute. And it's all contradictory. Is it any wonder our lives look the way they look? If you could hear, if you could understand and obey the work, all this contradictory eye thing, all this changing, would be impossible if you could hear it. And it's clear to me that there are people who have not heard it yet. That's not a bad thing. It's just clear. And you have to be able to look at things and say, okay, this is a hand, <laughs> but, but, but it's a right hand. But, but, but are you sure? Yes, this is a right hand. And you have to put all the philosophy and all the theory and everything else aside, and it is what it is. And you have to take a sincere, genuine look at it. But you can't do that if you can't observe yourself without identifying. If every time you observe yourself you identify, you're always going to be in depression or despair about it. You're always going to be negative about it. That's not self-observation. Presently, as we are, we follow personalities changing eyes. The work says, Gurdjieff says, that this makes us machines, hypnotized by imaginary eye. The truth is, is that we are victimized by the most stupid, petty, ridiculous little eyes that take charge of us and imagine that they know what's good and bad. You think about some of the... Does anyone, anyone here have any remorse for anything in their life or regret? Look at things and they go, that was really stupid. But you know, when you were doing it, you thought it was good. Whatever I was in charge thought it was good. This was a good thing to do. You know, look at people in jail. They all thought what they were doing was a good idea. When, you know, you're screaming down the highway in your car, speeding, and then you see those lights go off behind you. You thought it was a good idea right until the lights. Then the lights, and then you had that feeling in the pit of your stomach. You know, you're, ugh, you're caught. But it was a good idea right up until then. But then the eye that gets caught is not the eye that speeds. The eye that speeds, he takes off, because <laughs> he never gets caught. Because if he got caught, he wouldn't speed again. <laughs> but he just leaves. And some other eye comes up. The getting caught eye comes up. It's like, oh, God. And then, then what happens? The cop comes up and he says, driver's license and registration, proof of insurance. And what do you do? You start thinking up a lie. How am I going to get out of this? So lying eyes come up. They're going to defend you. Defend themselves. Defend the speeder. And why would they defend the speeder? Because we take ourselves as one. We take ourselves as one. There's not a speeding eye and a lying eye and a defensive eye and a getting caught eye. It's all one to us because that's imaginary eye. And we're in the grip of this imaginary eye thing where we think we're permanent, one permanent eye when it's not like that at all. We don't have the kind of control we imagine that we have. If we hear, understand, and obey the work, will gradually be shown what really is good and bad. There's nothing wrong with good and bad. Where we are, given our level of being, 
Good and bad are facts of life. But we hear, oh, but you have to get to the place of no opposition and get to the place where there is no good and there is no bad. Well, that's fine. But you don't get there by pretending that you're there. You get there by doing, by obeying the work, by hearing, by understanding and obeying the work. That's how you get there. Well, then where have you gotten? Who cares? The question is, where are you now? Not where are you going? Where are you going is all about results. Where you are now is about sincerely looking at life, sincerely looking at yourself, and just saying what's so. But there's something that stops that. For example, good and bad. The work says all negative emotions are bad. Is that true? Are all negative emotions bad? Well, are they punk? No. The negative emotions that we have are good. The negative emotions that they have are bad. The work says internal considering, making accounts against others are both bad. But what we say is, no, they really do owe us. I really did give that. They really do owe that. But the work says that's wrong and that's bad. The work says that all forms of self-justifying are bad. And we say, well, not when we're actually right. By God, I am right. All forms of self-justifying are bad. And the king of bad, according to the work, the king of bad, according to the work, is what? Identifying. I, I'm giving you the answer now so you don't have to lie. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Identifying is the king of bad. Self-pride convinces one he understands what's good and bad, right and wrong. And so he acts accordingly, even though it's contrary to what the work teaches. Have you ever found yourself acting contrary to what the work teaches? There's a reason for that. The reason is because you're proud and you're vain and you think you know better. But isn't that kind of harsh? It is if you want it to be. It is if you're identified. It is if you're proud and vain. It's just what it is. It's like calling a brick a brick. Hey, brick? Who are you calling a brick? You don't see bricks get upset about that. You don't see birds get upset about being called birds. You don't see roses being upset about being called roses. Why? Because they don't identify. We identify. It's the great thing we've got going for us here. We have the power to identify. Well, how could that be a great thing? We could identify with something higher. A rose can't identify with anything. You can identify with something better. You can identify with better influences. You don't have to always identify with the lower, petty, small things. You could identify with something else. And that's what makes transformation possible. It's not possible for a rose. Evolution's possible for a rose. And evolution is possible for your body. But for you, transformation is possible. So why is it that we act contrary to the work teaching? Because we don't hear, we don't understand, and we don't obey the work. But what we do instead is we add it to our pride. We add it to self-pride. We feel that we are greater than the work. We get to decide. We feel that we are greater than the work, so we get to decide what in the work we will accept and what in the work we will not accept. What in the work we'll obey and what in the work we won't obey. When we'll obey this and when we won't obey that. And as long as we feel that self-pride, as long as we feel our, our hugeness, our magnificence, our girth, we are not going to obey the work because we're bigger than the work. And if you're bigger than the work, you will not obey. Something bigger does not obey something smaller. If you feel yourself bigger than the work, you will not obey something smaller. If you were a 200-pound weightlifter and you could 
bench press your weight. And a 98-pound weakling comes and kicks sand in your face. And he comes up and he says, all right, I want you to do this and do that. You don't have to do it because you feel yourself bigger than that person. You feel yourself stronger, and so you don't have to obey. And this is the exact same thing that happens with the work. When we feel the work is something smaller than ourselves, we just add it to us. It's just like putting on a shirt or putting on a hat or putting on glasses or putting on shoes. That's not how this work works. That is how people work it, but that's not how this work works. So the reason we have this huge discrepancy between what we say and what we do is because we're lying about who we say we are and what we say we're obeying. So we feel ourselves greater than the work and the personality is kept active. So it goes to the gym while the work is left outside in the trunk of the car. And that is how this happens. That is how personality stays in charge, stays active, and is not made passive. We don't hear it, we don't understand it, and we don't obey it. The work cannot reach us internally where it could start something growing there. And what would it start growing there? What would it start growing inside of us? Essence. Essence. It would start the real part of us growing. The real part of us can grow. The false part of us appears to grow. But really all it's doing is stunting the growth of the real part of us. It's just hindering the growth of the real part of us. It's like you go out and you put manure in your garden. But you don't weed it. What are you going to have? You're going to have big green, healthy, happy weeds. Because they will choke out what the, the other things you've planted nine out of ten times. Because that's how it is under 48 orders of law. Well, it shouldn't be that way. You're not obeying the work. Rather than just saying, well, that's how it is under 48 orders of law. You are bigger than the work. You know how it should be. You know what's right. You know what's good. You know what's bad. You know what's wrong. So you can't have some little work tell big you because you know. By God, we must observe what belongs to our self-love and self-pride as a clue to what chief feature is. Self-love, self-pride are going to give you clues to what chief feature is. But they're not going to give you any clues if you can't observe it. All negative emotions are bad, I said. Yet we don't think so. True humility realizes that we don't know, but we always pretend to know. I asked you this morning, sincerely look at life now. Do you think it leads anywhere? And you pretended to know what I wanted. Because before we started the podcast, I was talking about life and death being the same, birth and death being the same, life and death being the same. So what were the answers? What is life? Where does life lead? To death. Why? Well, because that's the last thing I said. That must be what I'm going to talk about. That must be the right answer. And I better look good. I better look like I'm paying attention. Uncross your arms there, people, and your legs. Just try that. Just try and... Like, just try and open up a little bit. Sit up straight. Take a good deep breath. I know this is hard. I know this is hard. But it doesn't have to be if we just let it go. We just open up and let it go. It doesn't have to be hard. So through humility, we realize we don't know, but we always pretend to know. We must realize clearly that we are nothing. Only then can we become something. So are you really nothing? No. You're really something. But the problem is, is that what you think is really something is really nothing. And what you think is really nothing is really something. And you need something else to show you what is really something really is nothing. But you don't want something else to show you because you already know right from wrong. You've already eaten the fruit in the garden. 
your eyes have already been opened and you know the difference. You're like God now. You know good from evil, right from wrong. And it's a hard struggle to get back to that place where we are willing to allow something else to tell us what's good and bad, what's right and wrong. But it's not impossible. It is possible to do it. It doesn't take all that long. It takes about that long. Now, it goes away that fast, too. But it can come back that fast. You need to take heart. It is, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom, an expanding consciousness. That's what the will of what you are following wants for you. You got this going for you, so cheer up, you know, perk up. What happens is the work starts to take the place of what we imagined. Our self-pride stands in the way of the work acting on us. We think we're something, but we're really nothing. But only when we realize that we're nothing can we become something. And what that means is that the work then begins to take the place of what we imagined that we were. You imagined that you were big, that you knew the difference between right and wrong, good and bad. You imagined that you knew that. When the work takes the place of that, you realize, I don't know that. But the work does know that. What is the work? Again, it's all esoteric teaching. All esoteric teaching. Don't confine it to one little thing. Don't confine it to one little religious scheme or ritual. That's death. The letter of the law kills. It's the spirit that gives life. Look for the spirit underlying all of this. The words are not where it's at. It takes a long time to feel humility as the most real, interesting side of ourselves and to feel self-pride as tiresome and artificial. It takes a long time. For some people, it takes longer. Some people, it's amazing. They're just not that connected with their self-pride. I don't know what it is. And some people are like totally locked into it. You've got to come to terms with this. There's no reason why you should do this work. Remember this and face yourself with this point always. There is no reason why you should do this work. You do not need to do this work. If you're doing this work for me, you're wasting your time. If you're doing this work for results, you're wasting your time. If you're doing this work for anything other than the work, you're making a big mistake. It will not work. The only thing you can work for is the work. You cannot work for yourself. You cannot work for others. You cannot work for an idea. You cannot work for a goal. You cannot work for results. Not in habit work. There is no external proof of it. A man can easily go against his understanding and go back in life as he was. I have seen that recently. In fact, I've been seeing that a lot. People who go back into life just as they were. And then all of the work that they had begins to vanish from them. If you find this more satisfactory, I urge you to do it and forget this work as soon as possible. If you find going back to life more satisfactory, I urge you, I beg you to do it as soon as possible and forget all of this nonsense that you've been hearing. Just put it out of your mind. Put it out of your life. Go surfing. Start a business where you can tell other people what to do. Do something, but don't do this because you'll be wasting your life. If you think life leads somewhere, by all means, with my blessing, follow it and go there. If there's some doubt in your mind about it, if you still want something about life, go for it. Go get on the merry-go-round, go for the brass ring or the gold ring or whatever. Do it. You've never seen me hold anybody back. People who waffle, I say hit the road. And then they prove what they really wanted. They don't hit the road. They hit the road hard. They don't forget about the work. They forget about anybody they ever knew in the work. Why? 
because they were never in the work. They never heard it. They never understood it. They never obeyed it. So they don't have any part in it. And it has no part in them. It's all a lie. It's all part of false personality. Chief feature may be connected with self-pride, which can't be separated from self-love. Such a man must always have his own way. Do you need to have your own way? Okay, then let's trace that back. If you need to have your own way, it's because of self-love, which can't be separated from self-pride, which is connected directly to chief feature. So if you want to find chief feature, look at your way, look at your self-love, which will lead you back to your self-pride, which will lead you back to chief feature. He can't obey the work because the work asks him to go against his self-will. He can't go against his self-will because he is bigger than the work. If you're bigger than the work, you can't go against your self-will. And the work asks you to go against your self-will. Well, what an odd idea. Who would ask for that? Well, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's going against your self-will. Every esoteric teaching teaches this one thing. You must go against your self-will. If you're not going to do that, go do what you want. Self-pride is the manifestation of self-love and self-will, a manifestation of both. If you have self-pride and self-love, it will manifest in self-will. You will have to have your way. You will have to have things lined up the way you say they are, according to what you say is right and what you say is wrong, what you say is good and what you say is bad. You're lost. And unless you can give that up and let the work take the place of that, then what? You have, to, you have to believe there's something higher than you. You have made yourself God. That's what self-will is. Self-will is, I'm God. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I know what's good. I know what's bad. And I say so. If you can't have something bigger than you, then you have to run the universe, which leads to a life of pure misery. But it'll be your misery. Blamed on everybody else, of course. We've all got self-pride. With some, chief features directly connected to it. And with others, it's, not connect it's connected indirectly. It's not correct connected directly. It's indirectly connected. So it doesn't have such a grip. It doesn't have, a, it doesn't have you by the throat. Some people, self-pride's got them by the throat. Let me give you an example. You remember James and John, the sons of thunder? And they went to Jesus and they said, Well, uh, when you come into your kingdom, uh, command that one of us will sit on your right and one will sit on your left. Remember that? And Jesus said, well, can you do, can you drink the cup that I can drink? And blah, oh, yes, we can do that. Blah, 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 blah. Well, they wanted to be first. Now, on the other hand, there's a difference between wanting to be first. Wanting to be first is vanity. Now, Peter, on the other hand, he was proud. He said, I will not deny you. Even if I have to go to death with you, I will not deny you. But he did. That was because Peter was proud. James and John were vain. But Peter was proud. This work isn't an addition to what you are. But unfortunately, what I see people do is add it to what they are. It's like James finishes his big thing yesterday with the order of the arrow. And Rex talks about you know, he, all the things that he was deprived of and, what it, and they made him work and he didn't get to eat much and they weren't allowed to talk. And what did Patty talk about? The sash, the sash that he earned. And this is the difference between a mother and a father with a child. The father's looking at, look, this kid has got to have character. He's got to get something. He's got to have this softness strengthened. And he's got to have his hardness softened. 
That's what a father looks at. And a mother looks at, but he needs to be taken care of and look good and have a nice sash and have position and authority and a good job and, and a good education. But the father is concerned with something else. The reason children have mothers and fathers is because they need both. But what will mothers do? They'll make themselves wrong because they're not fathers. Insanity! It's madness! But that's what false personality is all about. This work is a subtraction of what you are not. It's not an addition to what you are, it's a, it's a subtraction of what you are not. It takes away what you are not. You can't do the work and remain the same. Ask yourself if you really changed at all. Do you wish to or are you still full of self-merit? According to the work, what do you have to change? Not according to your personality, what do you have to change? But according to the work, what do you have to change? To act from the work is to remember yourself. When you remember yourself, when you hear this work, when you begin to understand it, you will obey it. When you start to remember yourself, then you will work against self-will. Until then, you will be finding ways to get your way. And you'll be using the work to do it. And you're lost. It won't work. The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.